Welcome to Wealth Made Simple with Shaz, where you'll learn how to master your money through business, property, and tax saving strategies. Your host has collectively helped his clients make tens of millions of pounds in additional profits through these strategic approaches to business. Introducing Shaz Nawaz, an award-winning chartered accountant, property tax expert, entrepreneur, and property investor. Good afternoon, Shaz. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, Alison. How are you? I'm great, thank you. So what I'm going to do to start with is actually to have an interview with you really about your quality property development that you did in Boston. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. So I can remember way back last year that you took me over there so that I could have a look at what the full property development looked like. And it was amazing. It was fantastic. Lots of dead pigeons. But it was easy to sort of of see where we are, where we're going to go to. Um, but it made me think about um, when you look to think, I'll do the next property development, where do you go? Where do you think about that's a good property, that's not? For example, me, I'd have just driven past it in Boston and thought, oh, it's up for sale, old building, carry on. How do you go about finding somewhere to develop? That's a really good question, and uh, different people do it in different ways. Uh, but the one that I found the best uh, for me, Alison, really is kind of having your gold mine area uh, and your gold mine area generally speaking is an area that you choose which works best for you uh, so for me one of the main considerations were that it had to be within reasonably easy uh, driving distance uh, so usually a 45 to 60 mile radius if that uh, was one of the main considerations above and beyond that uh, the other considerations are that the market shouldn't be saturated, there should be plenty of uh, demand. Ideally, I should know about the market or the area location uh, and the circumstances. Obviously, if you go into a new gold mine area, you can find out, uh, but I'd like to know enough about it beforehand. So, the, kind of that 45 60 mile radius, I know most of the areas having uh, been there for different reasons. Uh, and I've got, I usually end up having one or two friends, luckily, in those areas. Uh, so, so those alongside other considerations in terms of supply, demand, availability. Uh, and generally speaking, I think what I also think about really is, would I live in this area? And I know some investors say, well, it's not about you because obviously the person renting or the person buying is different. But I just like to think, is it the kind of very hard living? If it would be, then that, then that would be nice to kind of do a development so I, I can sell something or rent something out in a nice area because if, if, if it's good enough for me, it's good enough for most people, I'd, I'd like to think. Yeah. Okay. So, so you saw the property, done your area. So, of course, now is the price on it. So you've got to pay for it. Um, so how did you go about paying for it? How do you, you didn't you didn't sort of like raid my piggy bank? So how did you manage to to get the funds for this? Yeah. So before I do that, in, in fact, uh, I obviously you'd look at the property in the, uh, inside uh, just to get a good handle on things, and then being a numbers guy, uh, I do a detailed appraisal uh, to work out okay, the, uh, how much are we buying it for? How much is it gonna, going to cost us to refurbish, redevelop, uh, interest costs, and all other costs? Including, including contingency, and then I work at the, the GDV, the outcome, the gross development value, 
based on what other properties have sold for, based on what some of my friends in that area know about uh, properties, uh, and based on what I think they will be worth. And I also always speak to two or three agents uh, to get their uh, input on, on what it's worth. And then if those numbers add up, and we'll assume for this conversation they do, and I say, okay, this works. Now, uh, can we afford to pay what the, it's up for, or a bit less, or a lot less? Uh, and sometimes I guess it's, it's tempting for everybody to try and negotiate and pay less. But if it's a really, really good deal, and I think it's got a good margin, it's going to work, then I'm less likely to negotiate because I'm thinking, let's make it happen, let's get it out of the way. I know there are other people out there who would say, negotiate every single time to, to try and uh, bring the price down. I have tried that sometimes in the past and we've lost deals. So I always think if it's a good deal uh, and you've got to pay full price for it, if it works, just get it out of the way, make sure you get it rather than somebody else. But again, yeah, opinions do differ. Yeah. Yeah, but flipping with it, she's normally A, so So obviously you want to work your figures out on what you're going to get out of at the end of the end of the day, how many flats, etc., etc. So which comes first in terms of planning application and other people you might want to get involved before you can do that really thorough breakdown in your budget how does how does that fit in with the so that dip that now depends on are we buying something with planning or does something require planning i.e if you're buying commercial property uh, and you can get prior approval uh, and so, so if it doesn't have planning or doesn't require planning and you, you're going to use permitted development uh, then i would get an architect in, involved and say can you have a look at this and let me know how many units or how many properties we can get i'll then speak to my planning consultant and just make sure he's on the same page uh, with our architect and the numbers that they come up with i'll use them but i'll also, I'll also do a sensitivity analysis and say if they come out as at 10 percent less what happens at 15 percent less what happens at 20 percent less what happens and if the numbers still work within those sensitivity analysis then i'm thinking this is really good uh, so it, it's kind of looking at that you know, best case scenario, worst case scenario, and kind of an average or realistic case scenario. Okay. So the other thing, obviously, with your tax expert hat on, um, what sort of tax savings do you know that you can actually make at this stage that will also help? Because you'll have a vision of, you know, you have knowledge of where you are and the sort of tax that you can actually save in the journey of the development. Yeah, absolutely. So, so there's kind of two considerations one is obviously the looking at the structure of the deal so how would it work best as a partnership limited liability partnership in my own name for example if i'm doing it alone or a limited company and then if you have a, a, a holding company or a, or a group structure do we put it through that uh, where's the money coming from that kind of dictates what we might do am i going into partnership with somebody uh, who i've done work with before or with a partnership am i doing a, a a one-off joint venture uh, and then on that I then base uh, what the tax would, would look like above and beyond that and obviously having a clear exit strategy is important above and beyond that then I'm thinking about other things in terms of I might go into a building as with Boston as you know it was closed for 13 years so I think is there any contamination here if there is maybe we can claim land remediation relief uh, sometimes in certain areas there's other grants available uh, are there any grants going in this particular area for regeneration, which isn't a, a tax saving as such, but uh, it can be. So it's just looking at those different uh, angles and, uh, and avenues to see what's immediately obvious that we could do. Now, of course, 
some people may know and some might not know is when you're increasing the number of units or reducing or you buy a house which has been empty uh, for two years or longer you can pay 5% VAT as opposed to paying 20% VAT so I'll do all those calculations as well to make sure that we're paying the right amount of VAT looking at CIS and all the other considerations to make sure we're going to have a very tightly run ship uh, and on one of the other developments which I'm sure you and I will talk about at some other point uh, I'll quickly go through some of the uh, tax savings we made there which made a significant significant difference to the overall outcome uh, so it so you're right uh, I mean, tax is a major consideration uh, and even though I, I'm an accountant and, and uh, I specialize in working with tax uh, I specialize in tax in terms of property investors I always say don't let the tax tail wag the dog so think about tax and all the different considerations but make sure you look at everything else as well and, and usually tax forms a significant uh, factor but it shouldn't be the only factor yes fine was there anything significant in this one that you thought oh that was one that you probably hadn't expected at the early stages so there were uh, some grants that had been utilized by the previous owner uh, but but luckily for us obviously in utilizing those grants they had to ha spend money on the building so this was a grade 2 listed building empty for 13 years uh, the council were very keen uh, to get it back into use again uh, so that was already done if a property has been empty for 10 years or longer uh, then uh, it becomes zero rated uh, so we won't go into that today because it kind of becomes technical VA2 issues uh, so that was good for us and that was useful uh, but other, other than that apart from the, the, the general normal tax work that we do there wasn't anything significant here that I'm able to share with you which, which will help people listen to this interview yeah absolutely so the other thing is that um, you've often talked to me about having a good team around you um, so to do a project like this um, what was one of the key team members, groups of team that you're going, I really need to make sure I've got those on board that's going to actually help to deliver the, um, the project? Yeah, absolutely. So in no particular order, by the way, uh, so as they come in on my mind, uh, I'll share them with you. I think it's, it's imperative to have a very good contractor. So ideally somebody who you've worked with before, but if it's obviously your first development, then find somebody through recommendations, referrals to your network. Who knows how to do the job and my preference usually is to use somebody who's done similar jobs before I'm not saying we should never try somebody because obviously we all start somewhere and somebody needs the first break uh, but my preference is to use somebody who's done similar developments before so we chose a contractor who, who we knew who we'd, we'd worked for in fact I'd known him since uh, 2008 so quite a while uh, and uh, so working with him was fantastic because he knew exactly what to do. I knew once I gave him a clear brief, he'd meet the deadlines. The quality is good. The speed's good. He knows, he knows what we're looking for as well. We have that kind of chemistry or understanding, which was good. So having a good contract is important. Above and beyond that then, having a good project manager uh, so they can manage the project for you. Because as you know, uh, I've got the accountancy business and some other business interests. Uh, so traveling up and down to Boston every day is not something that I look forward to or I relish. So we had a project manager 
who's able to go there and keep everything on track and as you obviously know we finished that project on time that doesn't happen by chance there's certain things that need to happen to make that happen because one of the key frustrations with if you ask most property developers is that things never or don't usually finish on time so good contractor good project manager helps alongside that of course you need a good funder be it a, a bank or a private investor uh, or crowdsourcing or any other form of uh, funding but uh, I usually like to go to people who I already know who can fund this particular project which I'm sure you might ask me about later on so those three above and beyond that of course uh, if you were obtaining planning then you need a good architect you need a good planning consultant to make sure that they can help and guide and advise you on getting things done and then depending on the type of contractor you use you might need somebody who can help you with uh, health and safety uh, so if, if your contractor is geared up to do that fantastic if not you'll need somebody for that but the kind of key prime people that, that we needed are the ones I've just shared with you okay. and so in your original plans um, you obviously say I want X number of one bedroom, two bedroom studios and, and what you want in that plan so you've worked that out in terms of the return on the investment that you want to get out of it um, am I right in thinking on this one you were actually able to change them and add some other ones in and, and how did you go about how did you go about changing that? Yeah absolutely so uh, we spoke to the council because I, I think it's uh, extremely important to have the council officers on board whether you're working on planning building control or any other issue because you've got to work with them and they aren't the enemy so to speak for want of a better expression they're there to help people get on with developments they want to see housing uh, or houses being built they want to see old buildings uh, brought back into use so we spoke to the planning department called them out showed them our plans what we're looking to do what the uh, properties will look like at the end and at every step of the way they came in because they, they were very cautious about this particular building simply because it was grade 2 listed so they made it very clear in terms of the certain items windows doors etc that they wanted to maintain which we couldn't change uh, so we showed them around and as we started work we uh, and we built a good understanding and relationship we were able to show them that really this this uh, particular project could have three more units uh, and then once we highlighted them to, to the planning inspector and said you know we can have this here this here this here he could see the quality of work he could see that we're kind of serious investors we weren't just looking to maximize stuff and just kind of build, build houses sell them on make a big profit we wanted to do a good job and we wanted to respect the character of the building uh, and, and having built that relationship he then agreed that we could have three additional units uh, on that particular project because it worked yeah absolutely um, do you think sometimes being a graded listed building it puts people off because they go I don't know that. Is it a bit of a challenge? Should I do it or, you know? It does. It, it yeah, absolutely. So, kind of, I think grade two listed buildings are kind of a niche within themselves. So, there are people out there who specialize, who only ever buy them because they kind of know their way around planning and, and working with contractors. So, they do bring lots of challenges in terms of obviously trying to obtain planning permission and then carrying out the work. So, there are always restrictions in terms of keeping some of the inherent characteristics of a building be it windows doors 
uh, or, or something else uh, sometimes even the the flooring so uh, we had uh, we had a fireplace that we couldn't change there are a couple of cupboards in there we couldn't change uh, and uh, so that great two listed buildings can be a challenge but they can also uh, give you more joy because when you see the building coming back into use uh, if it hasn't been used uh, but when, and when you fix and repair and improve the building those particular characteristics which kind of sometimes can feel like uh, a bit of a hurdle when you see them at the end and how good they look uh, it, it makes it even more worthwhile but yeah grade two listed building to answer your question can be a challenge so in terms of the actual end result, um, obviously I've been over there and had a look around and it's wonderful. And the fixtures and fittings that you've got in there are clearly a lovely high quality, great tiling as well, I noticed. Um, so are you planning on renting, selling it? What's, now that you've done it and you've ticked the box and we've got lovely pictures to show people, what is the next stage now? Absolutely. Well, you know I adore the tiling. Because we, we, we made a video where I only ever talked about the tiling. Uh, I don't know how I managed to do that, uh, but uh, I did. So anybody listening to this interview, that's a bit of a joke between us. Uh, until you've seen the, the video on YouTube, by the way. And if you don't subscribe to our YouTube channel, please do. It's Shaz Nawaz on YouTube. So uh, into, we weren't too sure initially whether we wanted to keep them or sell them. So we had an open mind. I always have an open mind. Uh, but as we started the, the development, uh, I knew we were doing other things or going to do other things in Boston. So we were more keen to keep those properties than sell them. But I, I had an open mind with my joint venture partner as in if somebody offers uh, a good price, we would be open to uh, selling them. So we're keeping them every single uh, flat is on rent which is fantastic uh, and that's what incredibly well based in in the heart of COVID-19 in fact uh, so some of the units 11 I think it was we rented before uh, the virus uh, started in, in the UK and 10 we rented uh, three or four weeks in so people were saying it's hard to rent property but we, we found it it was easy simply because which we, we've chosen a good location in uh, Boston. So again, coming back to the, the gold mine area, once you know the area, you know the location. If you have a, if you have a good site and in, in a good area, it's more likely to get rented. So every single uh, flat now is on rent and all the tenants are very happy. And as you've alluded to, we've got good tiling there, but we, but we went a step further uh, and we have, we've got special features uh, in the ceilings, including including spotlights uh, and uh, special features in terms of wallpaper uh, on uh, the walls. So we really want. And the kitchens, yeah, so, the kitchens are lovely, nice, spec as well. You've seen the size as well. I mean, absolutely. I think two or three of the kitchens are bigger than my kitchen. I mean, my kitchen isn't that big, by the way, but it's really big in kitchens. And I always, uh, and I think, no. yeah, but yeah, and I know. A lot of my uh, property investor colleagues would say, don't get too kind of emotional uh, when you're looking at property deals because you've got to have your business hat on and that's fine as well. Uh, but I always kind of do get a bit uh, emotive about it simply because I think I, I want to make these properties so good that if I ever had to live in one, 
I'd be more than happy to do that. And that's why we went the extra mile, as you know, with the tiling and the kitchens and uh, the bathrooms, the bedrooms, the ceiling features, and, and pretty much, and this, is, this partly kind of explains, I guess, to some extent, why we were able to rent them so quickly, because whoever came in, walked in there, said, wow, this is really nice. I want to live here, I want to stay here. And I also believe, obviously, if you make something look really good, you attract good tenants, they're going to look after it because people appreciate it and they want a nice place to live in. We all want a nice place to live in. So if we can make it nice from the outset, and hopefully that, that's going to continue. And that's always served us well. And that's why we always go the extra mile. Because I know sometimes for some investors, perhaps, it can be, let's say, financially beneficial to, to, to maybe not make it look as good as it needs to be, by the way, because uh, the margins are tight. But I always think, uh, don't just think margins are tight right now, if you, especially if you're keeping the property, even if, you, if you're selling them. Think long term. If something looks nice, it's going to be more attractive, attractive therefore more easily, it would be, be easier to rent. And if you're selling them, they'll be easier easy to sell. And the end user, whoever they might be, will have a nice, lovely home. And that's the whole thing that I think most property investors want to do. They want to create nice, beautiful living space and accommodation for people. And it is so light and it looks wonderful. So the project's now finished. Yes. For that one, and it's been great. So is there one particular learning um, outcome, learning issue? Because you're always learning, as you say to us, there's always things that you go, oh, that was good, that stuck out from you from this particular project that you would share with people to say, this is what I learned to just bear in the back of your minds too when you're doing products. Yeah, I've covered one of them earlier and that's a good question. The first one is uh, in terms of relationships. So we made that special effort to reach out to the council and build and strengthen that relationship. And as you know, it served us well, not only in terms of increasing the units, uh, but yeah. also working with the council. And they were very helpful and, and supportive. Uh, in the end, when, when we were refinancing, through COVID, uh, the director of planning was uh, very happy to give us a letter of support to say that the work had to be done, done to a certain quality because the lender was slightly concerned and they were asking more questions because of COVID. Uh, and yeah. one of the, the questions were, we need to know the standard of work. Now, the problem was, as you know, nobody could come out. Therefore, it was hard to get someone to confirm the, the quality and standard of work. But because just be, uh, the work had finished just uh, pre-COVID and uh, the council had seen the work, the senior officer was more than happy to give us that letter of comfort which we could give to the lender which helped us out. So it's about building those relationships with the local authority and other people as well. Uh, and secondly, what worked really well for us was having a good project manager and a contractor who kept on top of everything. So uh, some of my projects, as you know, Alison, don't always go to plan and I'm sure we'll cover those uh, on, a, on a different call. But this one here went extremely well and it was plain sailing. And that's simply because we knew the area, we knew what we were doing uh, and we used people who we'd worked with before. Uh, and so everything worked like clockwork. Really good having a bit of catch up on, uh, on the Boston project. So, I'll talk to you about others, I'm sure, at some point in the future. Thanks, Chad. You're welcome. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Wealth Made Simple. 
You can follow and contact Shaz on the Facebook pages Entrust Property Tax and The Profits Wizard. You can also find Shaz on LinkedIn, YouTube and Instagram. Alternatively, email him at shaz at aa-accountants.co.uk. Build your wealth by mastering money.